Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cuthbert. So I mentioned in the launch of this podcast that it's going to work in two ways. First, we it would serve as an interview series. and We'd invite some of the smarter hockey people on to talk about themselves, talk about the game, so on and so forth. And then second, we would tackle hockey's headlines, current events, and issues every Sunday with a recurring guest. Now, I'm not saying you're not one of the smarter minds in hockey, Julian McKenzie. I guess I have to fully introduce you, Julian McKenzie. Uh, but we're here today to more or less fill up bucket number two. That's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, look, I, I, I realized like once uh, this episode was going to come after uh, CJ's episode, I was like, I don't know if he necessarily thinks of me in that same mind as CJ. So I'm good with being in bucket number two, but that doesn't mean I can't provide number one. So we'll see. No, I, I was just going to say you're going to fill up <laughs> both the buckets uh, and you're going to do, you know, bucket number two belongs to you because you're going to join me every Sunday. We're going to talk about everything that's going on in the NHL. Very, very excited to do that. And I'm very excited that it, you were able to fit us into your schedule, which might be the busiest <laughs> in hockey media. I'm telling you, Julian, tax season must be an absolute nightmare for you. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> don't get me started about tax season. Uh, from last year, I still have nightmares from that. The the uh, provincial government uh, was not too kind to me. I'll just say this, man. Like I'm I'm still at that point where I still feel I can say I still have to kind of say yes to everything. Uh, but I'm very lucky because I know there's a lot of people who want to get into this game, and there's not a lot of avenues for them, and a lot of them have to have to get to a point where they have to self-publish their own stuff uh i'm in a position now where you know I, I did that route and now i'm able to work with you guys in a few other places and i'm i'm really excited for this year and I, but i also realize like I'm, I'm really grateful we're still in a pandemic right so i'm i'm it's not lost on me that i have all this happening and we're still in a weird time in in human history well we're thankful you're still saying yes because i'm pretty confident uh you might be handing out some no's in the near future. So we're grateful that you're going to be on with us every Sunday. Uh, you're in Montreal. I'm in Toronto. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting back to the basis of this podcast, we might slant a little bit towards the Meccas. I mean, we're, we are in the two most, uh, you know, invested hockey markets. I think it's safe to say at least. So we're, we might slant towards Montreal and Toronto a little bit. We might slant a little towards the North Division a little bit because, let's just face it this is going to be unbelievable and we're both in the markets in which you know the teams are taking part in it uh but our intentions are to tackle four to five topics from the week or weekend 
from across the league and discuss it on here. That means we won't be breaking down Joe Thornton's debut goal while sparing no detail. And we won't wax on too long about Alexander Romanov. I know you're willing to do that or waiting to do that, but maybe we get, we're going to talk about Calder favorites a little later. So maybe you're going to get your chance with Romanov. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got to say though, NHL.com could not be making it more difficult to, you covered the entire league because I can't seem to get on to NHL.tv. We're now five days in and I'm pretty frustrated, uh, but let's get going on the subjects that uh, are, are in front of us today. And I think we should start, you know what? There's a little Canadian slant here, but tracking two disgruntled stars, maybe superstars, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine, two guys that issued trade requests in their own different ways uh, before the season started, but they are still in their, you know, the, the, with the teams that drafted them, the Winnipeg Jets with Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois with the Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you make of this situation for those two guys just sort of in, you know, a really broad term? And then we'll break down what could happen to each. But what, what do you make of PLD and Patrick Laine uh, looking to get out of their current situations? I'm still surprised that Patrick Laine is still with the Winnipeg Jets. He made his request long before the season began and there were rumors of, you know, he could go to this team, he could go to another team and the season began. And not only is he still in Winnipeg, like when he gets asked about, it, he's all like, Oh, well I'm here now, aren't I? So I'm, I'm really curious how people in Winnipeg feel about him. I'm really curious how what management feels about him. Are they just going to put in a situation where, uh, they're just going to let the season play out and then, or at least let a few games play out and, and see if he wants to rescind that, or if he wants to, you know, still go through with that request. But I'm, I'm also just curious that, and maybe the pandemic has played such a role in it with, with how it's affected teams own salary caps and, and how they look at their own lineups. I'm still really curious that a guy of his ilk say what you want about his point totals, but this is a guy who can score in the national hockey league and has proven that since he entered the league. I'm surprised that teams didn't necessarily jump on him and, and, and try to make a trade work. That being said, I have no clue what Winnipeg's asks were. So I'm a bit more surprised that line a is still in Winnipeg versus Dubois, who uh, Dubois, you know, signs the contract with Columbus and, and then it gets out that he reportedly still wants out of Columbus. However, I feel that between those two players, while I'm more surprised line a didn't get traded, I feel like Dubois uh, between both those players if there's one guy who I, who I feel really has to go, it's Dubois. Like if Dubois at a point where, you know, he's asking to be traded and his coach is going on radio being like, Hey, I, I wish he had been more honest. And, and we all know how John Tortorella is like, he does not pull any punches. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say Pierre-Luc Dubois probably isn't a big fan of John Tortorella, but I'm really, it would not surprise me if it comes out of all this, that John Tortorella is kind of like the reason why he would want to leave. I, I just think that, with the way that he kind of fits in Columbus and, and the way that John Tortorella is, he, I know he gets a lot out of his teams, but he is not an easy guy to play for. Just, even as media members, just hearing him sometimes, you're just like, man, like he's not the easiest person to, to deal with. So I can't imagine what it's like as a player. So I guess to kind of go roundabout here, line a, I'm a bit surprised. He's still in Winnipeg Dubois. I can see Columbus kind of, holding on to him and taking their time a little bit. But I also feel like Dubois, if that's a guy who I think might be a bit more antsy to get out of, of Columbus a bit more than, than line a will not to say line a still does one out of Winnipeg, but uh, this has been going on for, for quite some time. And it's, I'm really curious what line a feels about it now. Yeah. I would have said it was the other way around too. I would have said 
coming into the year that Patrick Line has got to be the one that has to move. But based on one game, it looks like his way of getting out of Winnipeg is to just meet his potential and therefore maximize his value. I don't know if someone gave him some good advice, but it looks like Patrick Line, again, just based on the one game, is going to actually, you know, be the best teammate he possibly can be for the Winnipeg Jets and put up a massive year. And if he puts up massive numbers and Winnipeg gets to the point where we can't even pay this or pay this anyway, because of all the other things going on, all the other good forwards we have, he clearly doesn't want to be here. So let's move him now. I think that's the best way for him to get out. And I think he might understand that and he might have a massive year. Now I'm not saying Pierre-Luc Dubois might not have a massive year, but, uh, and again, the sample could not be smaller. But I think that's the attitude he has to come into the season with if he's going to get his wish. If he doesn't have a big year, if he doesn't uh, build on what he has done the last few years, uh, maybe they just sit on him. Because as far as I know, Kekalainen is a tough guy to deal with. He knows the value. He knows what Pierre-Luc Dubois can do. And he's not just going to give him up. So that's an important thing to note. But just on a broader sense, I I like that Pierre-Luc Dubois is doing this. I kind of like that Patrick Laine is doing this. I mean, the vast majority of NHL players... They simply accept their situations. And I do appreciate that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of athletes want something different and that these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're taking the opportunity or, and they're not just accepting exactly what has been given to them. Uh, And I like Pierre-Luc Dubois reason. Uh, You mentioned Tortorella, but I think another thing is that he just wants a bigger stage. And how often do we see that from players? We normally see NHL players shy away from the stage. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois wants the stage. And frankly, I think that stage is Montreal. So you're in Montreal. Give me the, let, take the temperature for me on, you know, maybe the interest in PLD. Uh, what's going on in the market over there? Yo, one of the, uh, I've tried my absolute best to not lose myself in the, uh, the trade, propo- the trade proposals. Wow. I can't speak today. The trade proposals. Don't worry. Right, I just I got that right. I noticed that. And I didn't want to say anything because uh, you're <laughs> normally Mr. Smooth. I was not going to do that. I have tried my absolute best to not lose myself in, in people tweeting about where they think, who they think from the Montreal Canadiens should go in a trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I actually saw someone uh, put together a mock three-way trade. I don't know if I could pull this up right quick for you here, but they pulled up a, a three-way trade, a mock trade that involved the Jets and the Jackets and the Montreal Canadiens. And if I can find this in the next couple seconds, I'll, I'll list it out here, but I'll just say this. Uh, there are Montreal Canadiens fans who I think are excited about the idea that a Pierre-Luc Dubois might be interested in playing in Montreal, but I think... What, what what I'm really interested in seeing is I always say with players, you have to give to get. And they've made it very clear that if uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is to come to the Montreal Canadiens, it cannot come with uh, Nick Suzuki going the other way or Alexander Romanoff going the other way. Yes, very mm-hmm. Kakanyemi. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, he was a third overall pick, but uh, he might not be our number one center. He might not be better than Nick Suzuki. Cole Caulfield. Well, I mean, he scores goals, but he didn't have the best world juniors, right? Hey, what about Phil Deneau? He He's a guy who's looking for some money. He's playing on that first line with, with Thomas Tatar and, and Brennan Gallagher, but Brent, but uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois might actually be a, a better upgrade on him. Uh, there's been so many of these different, potential trades and it's been very funny to see uh people kind of come up with their own proposals and here's the one i was talking about here uh someone on twitter said to montreal pierre-luc dubois to columbus yesperi kakanyemi and patrick line to winnipeg paul byron cole caulfield 
uh, Boone Jenner, who I presume would obviously come from Columbus, and Montreal's first-round pick, uh, we'll assume it's for 2021, and Victor Mete. And a lot of people were trashing that deal. And, and Dude, Justin's... I, I, I can't even process that right now. I'm not even see, idea. See, that's, that's it. That is big time. That's very big time. And, like, it, look, but, for a guy like... But here's why, I, here's why I'd be okay yeah. with that. Because cool. I didn't hear Nick Suzuki's name. Thank you. I mean, if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I'm looking at this team like I'm a Pierre-Luc Dubois away from being being a true contender. I mean, they have all the pieces suddenly in place here, except that one guy who knocks down all those centers into the exact position they need to be in. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, could be that guy. If I'm the Canadiens, I am interested in any package that doesn't involve Nick Suzuki because uh, I think Nick Suzuki has to be in that second spot and the guy who's eventually going to uh, you know, elevate his game to be in the first spot. Uh, to, to, you know, to maximize and optimize the potential of my roster. So, uh, yeah, if it involves Kotkaniemi, it involves future first-round draft picks, I'm in. But from what I understand, Yarmo Kekalainen is not only di- very difficult to deal with, uh, but would have, it would have to be Suzuki. It would have to be Suzuki if he's dealing with Montreal, at least as it is right now. Uh, obviously, the two-week quarantine rules complicate things. That's it, too. And I think if it doesn't get done now, I mean, a lot of the value with Dubois – is in the next two seasons is in this season right now, because he's only getting paid $5 million. Then you've got to pay him again and things get a little bit more complicated. So if they could build a package around Kotkaniemi now, go for it. But right now, it, I mean, if it's going to cost more than that, I don't think you blow things up just to get a guy who might give you one and a half seasons and then decide, Hey, this stage might be a little bit too, the, the bright, the, the lights are a little too hot in Montreal and then go, wants to go somewhere else. So uh, you know, it, it's fascinating. If, uh, you know, obviously I think there'd be a better chance of him moved if, you know, what was happening in the world wasn't happening in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now I'd say Dubois has the better chance of going because I think Line can be a teammate this year, honestly. And the, the whispers are louder in Columbus than they are in Winnipeg. And I wouldn't have guessed that coming in. I'm telling you, man, just with the way that Tortorella, I, I'm telling you, when, when I heard the audio of Tortorella on radio talking about Dubois, if I was in Dubois shoes, I would not feel good about that situation there i do not feel good about the fact that i have to go out and tell my teammates about what's going on if that's what's being said and 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 having a guy like like torts who we've seen it we've seen it watching him on tv he can be on his players asses and if he wants to be on a bigger stage you know maybe he feels i don't need to go through this with john tortorella in columbus i'd rather go through this with claude julian who's actually you know a really good not to say john tortorella isn't a good coach he's won a cup but Claude Julien, play at home, play in Montreal. But I really like the fact that you said, uh, you know, there is a possibility the lights could be too hot. I remember uh, another French-Canadian player with the Montreal Canadiens had high hopes on, obviously on a different stratosphere in terms of talent. But when Jonathan Drouin came in, those lights were very bright on him. And they're still bright on him now. This guy got three assists in his first game of the season. And people still gave him crap because he flicked the puck off the boards and off a ref and it turned into a, a, a goal. Like, the lights can be very bright, and the leash afforded to players sometimes, it could be very short. So if Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to put himself in that situation, man, he's he's built different than a lot of different players in, in the National Hockey League, but he has to know, and I'm sure he's maybe talked about it with Max Domi, who was in Montreal the last few seasons, or other guys in Quebec as well. He's a Quebec guy. He's seen some of those guys come in. He has to have a sense of what it's like to play under the lights in Montreal. Jeez, if Montreal got Dubois, the transformation, you know, 10, 12 months would be pretty remarkable. It'd be quite the team. It, 
Colorado Avalanche would be quite the team if they found a way to get Pierre-Luc Dubois as well. I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. interesting places for him to go. Uh, clearly, Colorado would be a little bit easier because there wouldn't be any cross-border restrictions, but uh, this is certainly something to keep an eye on. Another thing to keep an eye on, Calder Trophy race. Is it a race if we're only five days in? Probably not, but I think there's uh, there's been enough of a sample to have at least some uh, impressions on what we've seen from a, a, an exciting crop of rookies. Uh, I mentioned Romanov off the top. Is that the guy who's caught your eye the most, or are you leaning more toward Kaprizov mania like maybe I am? You know what? Like, it would be fun to see Romanov get involved. A lot of people have raved about the fact that even though he's 21 years old and he's only a handful of games into his NHL tenure, he looks like a veteran out there. But he's not nearly as fun as Kirill Kaprizov is in Minnesota. You see him in that three-on-three overtime? Like He, he uh, might make the Minnesota Wild watchable, which would be maybe the biggest rookie accomplishment of the last decade. That's I, it. I have no idea. That's it. Like it's, like it's crazy. Like the Minnesota Wild. Um, I'm gonna uh, like they're a team that has just been in that mediocre tier where they're not so so low on the watchability. Right oh here. my so god! Low. Like they're not nearly as interesting enough to be like, all right, they're a cup contending team, but they're not so bad enough where it's like, all right, they can get like a top five pick in the draft or a top three pick in the draft. They've had to live and, and die. And fittingly, Kaprizov is a fifth rounder. Yes, I mean, exactly. that's that was the way they were going to get a star because they they are not going to get one of the top fourteen because they're never there. No, but the, to see this kid like and I and I I know in like Minnesota they were hyping this kid a lot. They they picked him and they're like, oh, when's he going to come to the team? When's he going to come to the team? And now in like the few games that he's played, he's he's looked like the most electric electrifying player for them out there. Like I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a little early with with the rookie race. Like Tim Stutzla scored his his first NHL goal over the weekend. Alexi Lafreniere, as far as I'm concerned, is still the favorite. But if it if we're gonna go the really early route here, it's probably Lafreniere, Stutzla, and, and Kaprizov. I don't. If Kaprizov keeps this up, though, it could be Kaprizov, Lafreniere, then Stutzla. And if Kaprizov goes out of his way and wins, like that's that's gonna be fun. He could turn himself. Again, again, I'm being really early. I'm, I'm, I'm really throwing it out there. But Kaprizov looks really fun, and I hope he continues this. and And I hope Minnesota continues to foster that because we know how certain uh, NHL types can be with suppressing fun and all that. But that's a guy who could be, you know, the, the equivalent of a, of an NBA league pass here. If once NHL TV starts to work, like tune in for some <laughs> Minnesota Wild games. Like, I like this kid. He's fun. Yeah, I'm blaming, you know, I'm blaming uh, every, everyone that develops the NHL.com, you know, NHL.tv. That's the only reason why I don't have stronger takes for Kaprizov. Uh, but listen, you're right. You're, you're, you're light, right about uh, League Watch. Um, he, is, he is right now the guy. And the difference, I think, between himself, Stutzla, Lafreniere, uh, Romanov, Valimaki, Shestyorkin is the difference. The difference, well, maybe not with Shestyorkin, but the difference is that he's 23. I mean, he's got, he's not a teenager. He's got a couple of years. He's already had prolific scoring seasons in the KHL and he's hitting the ground running or the ice, you know, skating as fast as he does in three on three overtime because he's a little bit more advanced in his development. And he's already had these huge offensive numbers in different leagues and knows he can do it at the NHL level. I think he's got a leg up. It's almost like the Artemi Panarin thing a few years ago where he was, he came in the league, I think he was 26 or 25 and he was barely meeting the, the, the threshold in terms of how old you could be to actually win the Calder trophy. 
Now it's not like that with him. He's still comfortably under that threshold and younger than Panarin was, but he's got an advantage in that sense. And I think he's got to be considered the favorite right now. If you're betting and you got a chance to get, to get any value on Kaprizov, I think he's the guy because this is all going to happen so fast. It's all so condensed. It's going to take a little while. I think we, as, as it's been proven for Lafreniere to get settled in Stutzla might be good right out of the gate as well. Uh, but I think Kaprizov is certainly uh, shown his potential and probably has a leg up in this whole thing. I'm a little disappointed. No Trevor Zegras, no Quentin Byfield. What are they doing over there in California? Why aren't you showcasing your rookies when you've got two horrible teams that are already 0-2? Get those guys a chance to, this is the this is the year to just trial by fire. Get out there. Let's see what you got. You're going to have a full training camp next year. And then it'll, you know, the the pressure can earnestly begin because I think now it's just it's just playtime. Just get those guys out there and see what they can do. There's really no excuse not to, I guess, other than burning a year off their contract. But come on. I'll say this too for selfish reasons between both California teams. If both those teams decided, you know what, we're gonna let you know, we're gonna let those two guys loose, you kind of create a natural rivalry considering uh what the you know the game they ended up playing against each other in the world juniors, obviously, and the border ties and all that. So that's a selfish thing for for me as a hockey viewer. But yeah, I don't understand that either. With Anaheim and, and Los Angeles, they're clearly teams that are trying to look towards the future. They're not expected to compete right away unless they really deem that need that both those players really aren't ready to play NHL minutes yet. I don't see the harm in, in giving them that time now and giving them the opportunity to get their bearings in here. I mean, I, I don't understand why. I mean, it, it's one thing if they're a team that's about to win and they don't have to rush, but they're not winning. They're not winning. No one in California is going to win this year. Not even the San Jose Sharks with all the old players that they have. No one in California is going to win. You might as well just just get your players playing. There's there's it doesn't make sense to me. Well, we're not GMs for a reason, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like as much as you want to say, yeah, you want to save entry levels, but you're not going to be good within those entry level years anyway to really take advantage of it. I don't think so. Uh, I I think you need to get your your players introduced as you know in the in the soft land. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...scenario that this is, I think now's the time. Uh, just for a wrap on the discussion, Kaprizov, three points in two games, assists and an assist and a winner in overtime in his first two games. So the Minnesota wild off to a flying start, at least in three on three overtime. So uh, topic number three, um, we've seen some weird things happen because of the salary cap, because of, you know, the salary cap, not hitting or not continuing on its normal trajectory. 
a lot of weird stuff going on through waivers. But I think the, the, the weirdest thing that we've seen in terms of ramifications of the salary cap is the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights are having to roll with five defensemen. Uh, it's obviously it's for cap concerns, cap restraints. They, uh, they're right up against it and they don't have the ability to field six defensemen because some of, their le- some of the, the cheaper guys on the roster are playing forward. Uh, to me, this is something that points to a bigger issue for them. And that's the fact that the Golden Knights seem to have gotten ahead of themselves. Uh, do you subscribe to that uh, theory? Here's my thing with, with what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing. If their players are in shape, I guess it could work. I mean, uh, the other night against the Anaheim Ducks, uh, Alex Petrangelo played like nearly 30 minutes. And he apparently has a history of, of locking a lot of minutes in, in the NHL. He's had so many games in, in, his, in his career where he's played over 27. Uh, and, and some of the other defensemen on that team as well have, have gotten to a point where they could lock in a lot of those minutes. And if it really gets to a point where Vegas needs to be a bit more defensive and they need a bit more help from their forwards, they have Mark Stone. They have guys who can help out uh, who are forwards who could also help out on the defensive side. Not saying Mark Stone playing like Mm. as a defenseman. I mean more as a defensive forward. Uh, It could work in theory. Just my biggest thing is the fitness, like rolling 5D for, for the games that are about to be played here and the way that they're structured. It's one thing if it's a 56-game season and it carries on a bit like a regular season, but you're having all these back-to-backs, right? Like you're, the way the season, the way the, the, the games are, are, are structured, it, it might be a little tough to, you know, you know, you might feel tired, you might not feel tired, but I don't know. I, I guess the players in Vegas just need to be fit in order for this to work. It's a bit of a shame with, with the way the, the salary cap is working that they have to get to 5D, but also it, it's not as if they have terrible defenders right between Petrangelo and and, and Brady McNabb as well uh Alec Martinez as well they have some experience on that back line Shea Theodore as well they have a yeah. really good defensive core and again they, they got they, five they, good they, defensemen for sure that's it and and those guys are able to to log heavy minutes if need be it's not something that they're going to have to get adjusted to it's something they've done before it's just that you know I hope they can do it through a 56 game season and and hopefully when it comes time for them to get into the playoffs, they're not completely gassed. They may still have to dip into the taxi squad or, or, or when it comes time for, for the HL to come up, they might have to get another guy as reinforcements just in case someone gets injured. Right. That's, that's another caveat to discuss. Well, I, I think they're waiting for someone to get injured so they can optimize their roster just because they need some of that money to get out. But you know, you know, you're right. I, I think it is manageable. I think they've proven it's been manageable. They're two and oh, I mean, it's been a layup in terms of the Anaheim Ducks so far. But playing five defensemen, if they really are going to do this for the entire year, say they don't get any injuries, it leaves them, you know, A, overcoming a disadvantage every night. I think playing only five defensemen is you're playing, you're starting at a little bit of a disadvantage. Sure, the fact that you have Petrangelo means you're starting at at an advantage. That is tough to say. You know what I'm saying? Advantage. I'm not even going to try it anymore. But B... (laughs) It leaves you exposed if there's an injury. Let's say you, one of those guys drops out. One of those guys goes to the penalty box, four-minute minor or four-minute major. All of a sudden, you're playing with three guys. Like, that's, that's just uh, – that's not the that's not the way uh, an NHL team should be constructed, and NHL teams shouldn't have to deal with something like that. But I think the biggest thing is that you risk overworking a guy like Alex Petrangelo, who is an asset you need to protect. Seven years. He needs to be good for seven years. Uh, and he needs to be good more importantly in the playoffs. 
And if you absolutely take all the tread off his tires to start the season because you backed yourself into this hole or you can't move this contract, it's it's just not the best place to be in and probably not something the Colorado Avalanche are dealing with, that's for sure. And that they're your biggest uh, uh, threat when it comes to the postseason. But I, I think maybe I'm just trying to make something maybe that is more than it is. But with the Golden Knights, it's just too serious too soon for me. The rush to field a competitive roster has seen this team sort of lose its soul a little bit. The Gallant thing was one thing. The flurry stuff is one thing. Trading Suzuki, who you know is going to turn out to be a great player for Pacioretty, and now needing to move Pacioretty. Like, all this is, like, it is a lot of drama for a team that's only entering its fourth year. Now, I'm not saying don't go out and get Petro, but you make, that, you, you make that decision every time to get Alex Petrangelo. But you can't develop a pattern of making these splashes, then realizing the next season or the year after that, that you need to separate yourself from the splash you just made a couple years ago. That, that sort of stuff is all going to build up against you. And if you need to get rid of contracts all the time, uh, it, it puts you in a really difficult spot. And that's the spot they're in now. They need to get rid of a contract to fill their full potential. And I think they need to in order to beat a team like the Avalanche. Sure. But I also think with at the rate that they've gone about acquiring all these players and, and adding them and incorporating them in their lineup over the past few years, that's what happens when you start off as well as Vegas has in this expansion era. And I, and I, and while I understand where you may be coming from in the fact that they may be losing their soul a little bit, think of all these other expansion teams who have come into the NHL and have kind of floundered for years and years and years who, before they ended up being relevant. The Minnesota wild come to mind, but mm-hmm. the Vegas golden Knights, they go to the Stanley cup final as soon as they do. And their cup window is still open uh, what like three four years into them being in the league like I, I don't have the exact number in front of me I don't even remember but they, it's in such a short amount of time the fact that they've been able to maintain uh you know a good level of competition in the western conference and the fact that fine you know what they have to move some contracts here and there but I think that's the result that's what you have to deal with when you're a team that's playing for the Stanley cup every year and not having to be mediocre or playing for the draft lottery every year. It's just a part of the business. I just, I think there's some big pressure. I mean, I think we've heard, you know, we're going to win the Stanley cup within five years from their owner who really wants to win before I don't want to, you know, before he, you know, can't be as involved or retires or so on and so forth. Uh, I just think there's a lot of pressure to win and a lot of things that are building up and bubbling up. And when you look at who they need to beat, Colorado at Blanche, who have been able, who were able to sit back in free agency and just take advantage of teams that were so far up against the cap. I mean, that's the position you want to be in. And they already look like the better team. Yes, they're one and one, and and Vegas is two is two and zero oh after beating the the Anaheim Ducks a couple of times. But the Colorado Avalanche have it all, and they have the flexibility as well to take on a, another body uh, or another asset if they have that opportunity. While you think Vegas is waiting for a injury just so that they can field what would be their best roster. Uh, I just think there's a big difference there. And the only reason they've got themselves in the position is because they signed Alex Petrangelo, which you do again, every single time. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you can't get every, you can't make every splash. If you make every splash, you're going to put yourself into a little bit of a bind. And I think they're already in that bind and we'll see what happens with 5d. And we'll see if Alex Petrangelo can handle playing 30 minutes a night. Uh, topic four, we are flying through. Let's do some impressions from the North Division. You know, I mean, I mentioned off the top, that's our home, Montreal and Toronto, respectively. 
that's what we're going to have on our TVs. That's what NHL.TV allows. So have, have your, has your mind been made up a little bit on what's going on through, you know, two, three games, one if you're the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, is there anything that stands out to you the most or has changed your opinion or re- reinforced an opinion after, you know, almost the first week of games here? Just look at the rough division. I just want to point out something here. I saw so many people go out of their way to say the Edmonton Oilers are a playoff team. I want to talk to those people. I want to know why people felt the Edmonton Oilers were, they felt so strong in their conviction to put the Edmonton Oilers as a top four team in the North division. Hey, look, I get it. They have Connor McDavid. They have Leon Dreisaitl, the reigning MVP. He arguably might be the most quiet MVP ever. Like whenever we look at like Nikita Kucherov and like Connor McDavid and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, they're like a big deal. But like Leon Dreisaitl doesn't get that respect, but that's it. That's all they have. It's just those two players. You eat fine. They Kyler Yamamoto could be a, a, a young player taking that next step. Yes. Nuge, they have slept on. Nuge and Hopkins slept yeah. on. Slept on. Yes. Nuge is slept on, but who else do they have? Who else do they have? Tell, tell me, they're, they're, does the rest of their forwards scare you? The def, the defensive core that they have, fine. They have Darnell you know Nurse. What scares me? What, what scares me is their goaltending in a bad way. Thank you, thank you. Uh, on the Sportsnet broadcast over the weekend between the uh, in the Canadians Oilers game, um, they they mentioned with uh, with their goaltending situation, like the the two goalies they kind of have backing up there. I know they picked up that goalie off of waivers from LA. It's like a combined like two games played between those two. They're down bad in goaltending in Edmonton. And I'm sorry, but if you want to win in the National Hockey League, you need some measure of goaltending. People in Toronto might feel a way about Freddie Anderson. He's still a more capable goalie than a few other goalies in the National Hockey League. Uh, uh, Calgary, at least, has Jakob Markstrom. They, they got him from Vancouver, and he did a good job over the weekend. Carey Price is Carey Price. Con- mm-hmm. um, Connor Hellbuck in, in Winnipeg. For me, I put the Winnipeg Jets in the top four above the Vancouver Canucks because I thought Connor Hellebuck is a guy who is a very good goaltender. And fine, the defensive core might suck in Winnipeg, but they still have a really good goaltender. And their forwards are still good. It could happen. In terms of my impressions of everybody, like I don't get why people were so high on Edmonton. Uh, I think Toronto very much will, will still be a top team in that division. I think Montreal has shown that they can be a playoff team. I believe they were when they made all the acquisitions they made. And the first two games I saw from them affirm my belief. Uh, funny enough, Chris Johnston, uh, not to shout out CJ again, but he's the one who kind of sold me on Calgary. He thought, mm. you know, they're coached really well. They've they've had some good teams over the past few years. So I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take Calgary in this one. I'll, I'll side with him with that. Vancouver, I really like how they're built, but I also think – they lost a bit of blood, and 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 I don't think they're that playoff team in, in this division. And I, I already said how I feel about Edmonton. And Ottawa, I'll say this much. Ottawa might not make the playoffs, but I really like the direction that they're going. And I know some people are, can, are confused maybe with how they have the rookies kind of going with, with the older veterans that they signed. But I think to have those young players in a situation where they're insulated with those veterans and they get some semblance of a – of guys who know about what playing in a winning culture is like and, and cultivating, cultivating that. And also knowing that it's not really like a free for all, but what do they really have to lose? They're not expected to make the playoffs. They're not expected to go far. It, not to say this year's a wash, but 
you could kind of go out and, and, and just kind of see what happens. And it looks as if they're going to give teams like Toronto, a team that a lot of people have put at the top, a good fight. So even if Ottawa will miss the playoffs, if they're just those pesky sends like they've been in the last decade at different times, that's pretty good for them going forward. So not that much change in terms of teams I've looked at in, in, in the North division, but I, I do have questions about why people were so high on Edmonton. I'm, I hope I don't regret not putting Vancouver as a playoff team, but I feel comfortable at this stage with the teams I projected as playoff teams to come out of that division. Yeah, I'll start with Ottawa. I mean, I think if we're talking about which teams have the best seasons, I think you're, you could put Ottawa right at the top, not because they're going to finish at the top of the division, but I think they're going to be one of the teams that actually feels really good about their performance. I think over certainly the three teams that the three other teams that don't make the playoffs, or I guess it would be the two other teams that don't make the playoffs. There's going to be some severe disappointment there. And maybe even so with like, let's say Toronto comes fourth in the division or something, you're going to be feeling better about Ottawa's season than Toronto season, just given the expectations coming in. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think they've, they've done a really nice job getting some insulation around those kids. I mean, just the fact that uh, obviously Brady Kachuk is the guy they're building around in the future here, but him calling Tim Stutzla, Jimmy, and just all them getting, you know, rallying around this ridiculous thing. I bet Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk think him calling Tim Stutzla, Jimmy is literally the funniest thing like that in the Kachuk household. <laughs> yes. That is the funniest thing anyone's ever come up with. And they, they're going to live and die on that. Um, but in you the know, group I, I chat. Just, yeah, the, the Kachuk family group chat is just, they're roaring. Um, but yeah, I, I just think they've done a nice job, obviously with, I mean, you look at the Eric Carlson deal. I mean, the deals that they made look pretty good and the decisions they made look pretty good sitting on Brady Kachuk, not giving up that draft pick and, and, you know, giving it up the next year, they've made some really good decisions. I think they should be proud of what they're building. And obviously that's, you know, it's easy to do what they've done. It's harder to do, you know, to make that team turn into something really, really special. Uh, but what they've done right now is pretty cool. And I think everyone's going to have fun watching the Ottawa senators this year. With the re remaining 16s, I think you can sort of draw a line in the sand. I got Montreal, Calgary, and Toronto as the best three teams of the division. I think they're going to be there at the end, sorted one through three. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go. But I think those teams are better than the other three teams. And that the other three teams are going to be scrapping it out a bit. Right now, I have Winnipeg above them. They've only played one game. But I think we've seen some serious warts from both Edmonton and Vancouver. In Edmonton's games, I think they look overmatched from a talent perspective every time I've seen them. Like they played Edmonton twice. Obviously they beat Edmonton once, but it just looks like, wow, look at all the, look at all the shiny toys on this side. And we're sort of, we're a little disadvantaged. Uh, we got some special players too, but it's not quite at the, at the same talent level. And obviously we had to, you know, get rid of some pitch pieces, got rid of our goaltender. Holpe has been fine, but I just, I, this, I think is a bit of a transition year for them. And I think they're going to be facing a talent discrepancy every night. And then Winnipeg is just Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, they can beat a team, or lose to a team any night of the week against any opponent, it doesn't really matter. They have the potential to win and the potential to lose every night, and that's usually not good enough in the NHL. You have to be a little bit better than that, which I guess is merely average if you can win or lose every night, uh, and it's probably going to shake down to be equal. So Winnipeg's only played the one game as of this you know, podcast, uh, but I, 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 I favor them a little bit more because I think they have better talent than Vancouver. And I think they have better goaltending and a better chance to win every night than, than Edmonton, who is a little bit more up and down. So that's how I see things, I guess, through five days. I'm a little bit worried about Edmonton and Vancouver. 
and I'm excited to see the Ottawa Senators, which is something I, I didn't necessarily think I'd say. I guess I was pretty confident in <laughs> this team at least being watchable, but I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, look, again, with, with the Senators, I think for them going forward, the fact that there are little to no expectations. If I was an Ottawa Senators, Senators fan right now, I'd be so excited. I don't care about how the season's going to go. We all know we're it's like a weird time. We're in this weird North division. We don't even know if it's going to last beyond this year. Uh, like, who cares? You have Tim Stutzla. You have all these young players coming up the pipeline. It's a good, it, dare I say, it, it's a good time to be an Ottawa Senators fan. I don't know how often you could say that, especially if you're in Toronto. You're like, oh, why would you want to be an Ottawa Senators fan? Montreal, a lot of people feel that way too. But like, you look at the team that they have and the decisions that they made. There are guys who probably looked at Pierre Dorian and thought, what an idiot this guy is. And I wonder how much crow some of those fans are feeling right now because of some of the players they've been able to assemble and the roster they've been able to put in place. Being able to be in a division like this where six teams legitimately have playoff aspirations and all this pressure thrust upon them. And then you're just that seventh team just kicking back and chilling, just being like, look, we could make the playoffs. That'd be cool. But it'd be cool to, you know, go back and get another good draft pick. Like, who cares? Like, man, if I'm an Ottawa Senators fan, if I'm an Ottawa Senators fan right now, like, I'm just chilling looking at this season. Of course, you want to win every game, but you are much more relaxed than people in Toronto right now. That is exactly it. They they just can enjoy this season. This season is all about hockey to me. I mean, I, I, th- I spoke with CJ on the last podcast about how I thought the situation favors the Maple Leafs because they don't have to deal with throngs of media members coming in every day they just have to do a couple zooms every, you know once every seven days and it's really not a big deal for anyone they can just be a team enjoy each other enjoy playing the game i think that's exactly what the ottawa senators can do more so than the other six teams because there is no pressure they can just relax they can just play out this 56 game schedule develop have fun call tim stutzla jimmy and maybe jimmy will win the calder trophy and that'll be the major award that comes Who's to that, that name, team bro? this year it's it's uh, no, I, I can't. I'm, I'm excited for the Ottawa Senators. I think there's anything any point we've arrived to is that we're excited for Ottawa. Maybe we're a little bit worried about everyone else because the pressure is only going to intensify. We've seen some tremendous games in the North Division. I wish we could just talk about that sometimes because it's going to be so, so good. I mean, we're going to hit on it every week. So let, let's let's be honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. Uh, I think we've done a little bit of tour. Not too many juicy storylines out of the first five days, but there's going to be a lot of stuff for talk, to talk about in the weeks to come. Julian, excited we could get you into the schedule, excited that we can have you on. Uh, if we can do anything to help you with tax season, T4 stuff, if we can if we can get someone to do it for you, maybe we can we can figure out a way. We'll just make sure that all, oh, all the sources are, are you know clearly defined, sources of income clearly defined. We'll get everything sorted out for you. Yeah, man. I just, you know, a shout out to my accountant, man. Uh, they've been they've been helping me out, man. I'm just <laughs> oh, happy. You already I have get, help. You already have help. Yeah, yeah. I have I have my help, but I'll, I'm also just happy I get to do I get to make appearances with hockey royalty in terms of Justin Cuthbert, man. Like you know, you look, come on, man. You're, you're out here. You're killing it with your content, and you got the podcast. You know, you're, you're the face of Yahoo Sports and the NHL vertical side. To get the fact I get to do I get to you know make appearances with you. I was like, yo, man. Like I guess we were Justin Cuthbert, man. Like this is. This is big. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you got that out of the way because that's not gonna. Ha- we're not gonna be doing that every every show. We're never gonna do that again. Yes. And you can't yes. call me royalty if I don't have a. I don't have a mic that plugs into my computer. So until we get to that point, uh, you know, <laughs> the crown goes somewhere else. That's fine. Amazon, my guy. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess I could get off my wallet. That's fine. 
Okay, that, we'll wrap it up there because now we're just in straight gassing each other up mode. Yeah, that, that's uh, it. We'll, we're we'll just gushing over each other. Once we, oh, once, you. We reach that, once we reach that point, we know it's time to move on. So we'll be back next week. We'll have some more topics to discuss. Uh, and we're going to have more games to break down in the North Division. I can't, I, sorry, I can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. It's just going to be too much fun. And uh, we'll be able to recap that next week. Julian, thanks for, thanks for coming on. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>